Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Connections are what bring us together, whether halfway around the world or in the office next door. Blackfoot Communications is proud to provide next-generation network infrastructure that enables reliable, secure, and always-on connections. From SD-WAN and firewalls to business voice and fiber, our solutions connect you to your community. Visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 406-541-5000 to learn more. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Uh, that new early signing period sneaks up on you all the time, but all of a sudden now we got 20-plus recruits for each of the Cats and the Grizz expected to sign. So got interviews lined up with both Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate, and we're going to have some live interviews as well with Jace Kuswich from Frenchtown by way of Missoula Sentinel, who's signing with the Grizzlies, and Kenneth Iden, who's signing with the Montana State Bobcats. A couple local kids going to their local schools Thursday. Uh, it's going to be Tutel's last day, so we'll do that whole song and dance. Maybe we'll make him cry. Who knows? Hopefully he's feeling better. And then on Friday, this is going to be a good one. Ty Gregorak, former Montana and Montana State assistant coach, he's coming by, stop into the studio as well. And just a reminder, we are off air the last two weeks of 2020, getting this thing all ironed out as we move into 2021. Take a look at what we got in the show today. I got to see some live basketball on Saturday. It was a 60-point game, but I was there in person. I was going to say, I mean, you kind of made history this weekend without knowing it. You are, and I looked it up. I went through all the Guinness Book of World Records. You're the first person (laughs) to ever watch 80 minutes of Yellowstone Christian basketball in about a 26-hour span. Man. you got to watch the Grizz, Yellowstone Christian in person, then you cut all the Cats game the next day. Man, that, that had to be special. Oh, man. I mean, it, it was nice just to be in a place watching a game, but it was nice to actually see some of the observations. So we do have some sound from Travis DeCure on the 102-42 to win by, by the Grizzlies, and we also have some sound from Dave Sprinkle, his team a 114-74 to victor. It wasn't about the scores, though. It was more about the development of each of those teams and getting home games in Montana. We're also going to take a little bit of a look at the week that weekend that was in women's basketball. Uh, a couple strong performances. Lady Cats went on the road and pushed Utah to the brink before losing 73-63 on Friday. And then the Lady Grizz, who to me look markedly improved, particularly when it comes from a confidence level. They were uh, right down the wire with number 25 Gonzaga yesterday, one of the closest they've come to upsetting a top 25 team in a handful of years. Uh, Riley, he's a big baseball guy, so we're going to talk a little bit of Missoula Paddleheads and the uh, move to the Independent League for Missoula's minor league baseball team. Top of the hour, we're going to go through some of those recruits. Riley's got some questions for me. I got some discussion points for him. We'll take a look at uh, just what has transpired, particularly when it comes to the in-state recruiting battle, as most, if not all, of these guys are expected to sign on Wednesday. And then, of course, we're going to do a little bit of NFL as well. Uh, the playoff picture now that we are uh, 14 weeks into the season becoming a little bit more clear. But right off the top, we got to say, 
Rest in paradise to Charlie Pride, one of the greatest cowboy singers ever, a guy that had a 60-year music career, won multiple Grammys, one of the great singer-songwriters in the history of music, and also a guy with some Montana ties. He played minor league baseball around the state of Montana, played for the Missoula Timberjacks back in the day, even had a stop in Helena as well um, during his time in the minors, and he also worked at the Smelters at East Helena. So, Where did you find that? So Charlie Pride, once upon a time, he would go to work at the smelter during the day and then either go play baseball or sing at the bars in East Helena by night. That and, sounds like living. Right? And that's how he got his start. So that's that's pretty cool. He once upon a time played for the East Helena Smelterites. What a name. <laughs> that's got to go down. Is the, That's up there with the, the sugar beaters of Chinook. That's right. I mean, we, th- we think that everybody's going weird names in minor league baseball now uh, with all the, the, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people thought the paddle has was weird when it first came out as well, but uh, it's nothing new. That's minor league no, baseball in that show. I, well, I wonder, honestly, I mean, his most famous song, Kiss an Angel Good Morning, right? Was that was the angel in Helena? Was the Maybe. angel in East Helena? Maybe. I would like to know that. It was cool, though. I, now, in hindsight, looking back, the CMA Awards, I actually did catch that in his final live performance at 86 years old. Yep. That was pretty cool. And now, again, in hindsight, uh, gone too soon. But, man, Charlie Pride. And what good stories there, too, Coulter. I mean, if you can live to 86 and have a life that includes playing minor league baseball as well as producing country music records, I think you've done pretty darn good. Yes. Riley, you've been on the road quite a bit, but you got to broadcast a game from Dahlberg Arena on Saturday afternoon. It was at the same time great to see everybody in person. I mean, I just, even if you're playing Yellowstone Christian, a game you're expected to wallop the other team, I like to see the guys move just the way that they run. It's way easier to evaluate guys in person than it is on the live stream. But that said, I mean, I'm sitting up here in the corner. I'm like trying to wave at you. I'm like 400 feet from you. And you're sitting down all by yourself, just alone on courtside. What's it like trying to call a game, though? Because, I mean, you can't necessarily be all exuberant and loud, especially like when the home team's shooting free throws, because there's no ambient noise anywhere. It was bizarre and I would say now of all the venues that Grizzlies have played in this year, you got to go to the Galen Center at USC, down at uh, Cedar City, Utah, Athens, Georgia, and at home. That was the weirdest atmosphere by far because there was the least amount of fake crowd noise put in. So it was eerily quiet. It was great being home just for all the feels of being able to show up and, and at least wave at people. But I remember we were talking a little bit beforehand and I go, where are you at? I didn't even know where you were at in the <laughs> arena because from where I'm at, they, they've got me six feet away from everybody. And I don't know, it just feels distant in there. But it's unique calling a game in that kind of atmosphere because so much of the sights and the sounds of bringing people into a broadcast, as you know, is just trying to describe what you're seeing and what you hear. Well, with Travis Takir, it's a double-edged sword. We were talking about it. And, and the good thing is, is he's not in my way anymore. But the bad, <laughs> but the, right. but the bad news is it's, I can't listen in a little bit on what they're saying. The free throws. I just started making fun of it kind of on air and saying, hey, I know there's going to be some awkward pauses here, but I'm not going to talk when the Grizzlies are shooting free throws. I don't want the Travis to hear Dester across the floor. (laughs) So they shot well from the free throw line. But to get back to the question just about what you get from a game like that, they needed to experience success. And I don't think you really can see it play out until a situation like this happens where you play four tough games in a row. The Grizzlies and the Bobcats, for that fact, have always been able to weave in non-Division One games or... I like the term developmental games because you got to see guys play together. And I think, Coulter, what maybe surprised you and others and what Travis Tigger told me before the game was kind of unique to me was, hey, we're not really going to empty the bench here. I want to play who I think the rotation is going to be. And we saw that six guys played 28 minutes. Those are kind of your main six, at least what Coach DeCure thinks right now. So that was maybe a big takeaway, but just to feel the confidence and to get off the schneid of no wins, those were some of those big, big benefits, I would say. Montana 7th year head coach Travis DeCure, a couple thoughts from him following Montana's 102-42 to win on Saturday afternoon in Missoula. I think the biggest thing was just an opportunity for us to get better and, and to realize the areas that we've gotten better. I thought we were showing improvement in Southern Utah games from game one to game two uh, as we came out of the USC game, but the results didn't show that. And and so for a team to have confidence, you, you need to see that you have more points than your opponent on, on the screen from time to time. And, and we just really needed that at the end. And obviously being um, at Dahlberg with no fans, empty stands and all that, 
Um, how weird was that? Uh, just seeing that, and how have you guys adjusted that just so far in the in the year with no fans in the bleachers? We're getting used to that. Um, you know, even even it with Georgia and Southern Utah and fans, it was just very few people there. So same feeling. Um, you know, closed door scrimmage feeling really. Um, I, I think with the people we did have from, you know, the Adam Center workers to our statisticians and scoreboard people, we probably had the same numbers that we saw at Southern Utah. So no different. Um, I, you know, it's quiet. I, I think now everyone's starting to get used to that, even because we see it on TV so much. To cure on what he liked on both offense and defense for the Grizz on Saturday. Uh, the way we shared the ball, you know, for us to go out and have over 20 assists was important. Um, our, our trust in one another to make plays and make good decisions uh, is, is a huge area of growth for us moving forward. And I think we took some steps in the right direction today. Um, defensively, finishing off possessions. I thought we improved in that area, um, you know, and, and, and to out-rebound your opponent the way we did was huge. Um, but I, I'd like to see us pursue the ball better. And, and I think we've got to continue to improve in that regard if we're going to if we're going to be able to out-rebound bigger teams. DeCure on the opportunity to run through as much offense as possible against Yellowstone Christian College. No, it was huge. Um, you know, we, we've it's hard because in practice you're splitting the team in half, and so you've got a group that doesn't get a chance to just get a lot of reps together. Um, and, with the, we, you know, we had guys raise their hand if they had missed practice due to injury. We only have three guys that haven't missed a stretch of practices. And so it's just been a long stretch of not really having the ability to create any kind of chemistry, and today was an opportunity to do that. To Kieran being able to keep familiar faces and common lineups on the floor. Huge. First time able to do that. Even, you know, in the Southern Utah games, we had some foul trouble, and guys had to come out, and still with no DJ on the floor, um, it, it's been tough on us to continue to grow and develop as a unit because he's a big part of what we're going to do. But uh, we're in the right direction, and we're excited about it. We figured it out. Um, we, we really tightened up the rotation. Um, you know, we, we basically went with the group that played the most minutes for the most part against Georgia. Um, and you know, it's, 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 it's a tight group. It's not a lot of bodies. We still have some other guys that will rotate in, but I think we've got a six, seven man unit that, uh, has the ability to, to, to be successful if we can continue to grow together. Listening to you on the pregame with Riley, I, I heard your stated goals for the team. So then to determine what those are that have them execute those goals, is that something that's transferable? That's something that you can build upon? Correct. Um, you know, the biggest one, assisted turnover ratio is huge. And uh, and then the, the defensive rebounding. You know, we went back and looked at some stats over the years, and you know, we're giving up 14 offensive rebounds right now. That, that, that You can't win that way. And eight is, is really been about the average for us. Uh, with our previous six seasons. So holding teams under 10 is huge, and, and it's usually a game-time goal. And if we can get back to that, then I think that we've, we've progressed on the defensive side of the ball in terms of finishing off possessions. Um, so if we're taking care of the ball and getting good shots and, and, and then we're ending possessions for the defense with rebounds, then we're headed in the right direction. I thought it was interesting when you were talking about the guys competing for spots rather than trying to cultivate chemistry. When do you turn the page on that element? I mean, what does it become more about the chemistry of the team rather than fighting for playing time? When I settle on a lineup, it's very difficult to do without settling because when guys don't know what their role is, they're trying to create one for themselves as opposed to win games. And this week is the first week we've had where really it's two days we've had where it's now all about the chemistry and not trying to find a way to get on the floor. Did you feel like the guys were looser because of that? Definitely. And then we've had some conversations, some heart to hearts, and, um, you know, you always got to have those when you come to that point about, okay, here's where we're at. What are you going to do with it? Um, and here's what we need from you. What do you need from me? And they had, you know, some guys have had an opportunity to voice what they needed. Um, and so now we're all on the same page. So now we can grow. And, and it's just unfortunate that we weren't able to do that in November. So there you go, Travis DeCure after his team's 60, count him, 60-point victory. Where's that rank and margin of victory, Riley? It's got to be fourth. One, fourth in fourth, school history. Yeah, fourth in school history. Hallisey was looking up all these during the game. It was second half. It was a 50-point blowout. I'm like, better be on this stuff. And Nick Hallisey, of course, Grizzly Information, a sports information director, he was rolling with it. But, uh, yeah, fifth time since the turn of the century. Team scored 100, but... 
It was a big one. It was a margin of victory. You knew it was coming, though. Uh, absolutely. Uh, from your perspective, where's this team at in terms of figuring out how to gel? Because it was definitely a uh, severe work in progress. I thought the schedule, particularly opening up conference play with two back-to-back conference games before pretty much anybody else at Southern Utah, who, by the way, I've heard a lot from around people in the community, how the heck are the Grizz getting swept at Southern Utah? Well, this is not the Southern Utah of old. This is a Southern Utah team that I expect to probably get a first-round bye in the Big Sky Tournament and a team that under Todd Simon has proven they can rise to the occasion over and over again when they're playing the best in the league. But, I mean... It seemed as if, ironically, being a little shorthanded against Yellowstone Christian, not having the likes of Derek Carter, Hollinger, Robbie Beasley, guys like that, um, it made it so that the rotation was a little tighter, and it seemed like then when guys were actually playing with each other, they found a little bit more flow. I would agree with that, and that's Travis Takir's biggest complaint during all of this is, well, we're not quite on the same page yet. I, I To answer your question, I still think it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. Why? Because the guys that have been available are starting to find a gel, but then you're going to add the likes of DJ Carter Hollinger back into the mix, and when Robbie Beasley becomes healthy, he'll be back in there too. So there's still going to be... I see it as an evolving process throughout the year. It's just going to be like that. Grizz fans, you're going to have a couple of stretches this year where they look great and they could beat anybody. They might beat Eastern once this year, but then they're going to have a frustrating loss. And, yep. and I'm with you on Southern Utah. That team, if you've, if you've watched them, which you have throughout the last five years under Todd Simon, they've only went up. I mean, the trajectory is higher with Southern yep. Utah than anybody because their returners that are back are great. He's continuing to bring in transfer talent. Tevian Jones was named Big Sky Player of the Week. I saw earlier Se- today. Yeah, t- second time yeah. in a row. Second week in a row. Yeah. First time Southern Utah's claimed back-to-back they're, Big Sky uh, Player of the Week. And you say you think you think they're going to get a bye? To me, they're a clear-cut top four team. Yeah, I mean, what do we know about college basketball? One of the most tried and true formulas <laughs> yeah, is true. that senior guards win. Senior guards win, yep. and they, I mean, Dre Marina started 100-plus games in Southern Utah. John Knight, the third, is one of the biggest dogs in the league, so I think they'll be right there. I do, too, and for the Grizzlies, when it comes to rotation, it's just going to continue to be evolving, and I think, really, Coulter, until maybe February, I mean, they play the Cats late January, and they play Eastern. They've got a stretch where they will go four straight weekends, Montana State, Portland State, Weber State, Eastern Washington. That, to me, is just kind of the goal at the end of Okay, we need to make sure our team is right by the time those cat games happen. So I still think it's another month, month, month and a half away. We're making an executive decision. We're renaming the show after Ryan's actually officially gone, but he's not gone until <laughs> uh, officially Thursday. So we're calling it Two Tell Nuanas, and you are listening to Two Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide, SWX Montana Television. The Grizz play at Washington on Wednesday night. It's a, what, 8 p.m. local tip? Is that right? 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 oh, p.m. Mountain. So 8 p.m. there, 9 p.m. here. Yeah. So if you need anywhere to watch it, it's going to be tough to watch that game in, in a public place. Because, as we know, right now, most places closing down at 10 p.m., but one place that does stay open an hour later just because they are a casino, you're not going to be able to drink there after 10 o'clock, but you can stay a little bit later. Silver Slipper. Sports are back. They have 55 TVs to watch all the action, including the Grizz game, whether it's NFL, college football, the Grizz, MMA, Whatever you got, Silver Slipper will have it on for you. They got drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite teams, including the Grizz. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. And the card room, it's back rolling as well. Games nightly, 7 p.m. Call or text 333-1500 or visit MissoulaPoker.com for more information. Silver Slipper. Riley... Last question for you then. Do you think this is what, in terms of this Grizz game, I mean, uh, do you think that this uh, this win over Yellowstone Christian College was the right medicine for the Grizzlies headed into this matchup? I, I think it was needed. I yeah. think needed is probably the word to describe it. I, I mean, you're coming in, the guys are confident, and it's just a moment, and I hate comparing it to a closed-door scrimmage, but that's exactly what that felt like. That's more of, hey, we need to work on us, and it really doesn't matter who that opponent's going to be. Um, So needed, I think, would be the the right way to describe it. And they're going to get another kind of get-right game on Friday. Derek Selvig coming back to town. Derek Selvig coaches Dickinson State. That game is uh, officially on in the world of 2020 and scheduling. It's hilarious. People on the post-game show, that's how they're finding out of the post-game radio show when they're finding out when the next Grizz game is going to be. That one's a done deal. The Grizz will play Dickinson State Friday here in Missoula. So these games are needed just from a a mental side of things, I think, for the squad. We've got some questions. I mean, why is it better to play a... uh 
National Christian Collegiate Athletic Association team than just practicing against yourself. But part of it is just human nature, right? Like these guys know each other's tendencies at this point. So you, I thought it was actually fascinating just from a pure analysis standpoint to watch the Grizz because they ran pretty much every offensive set they have in their repertoire, which is a lot. Which is a lot, and. So often, you know how the play's supposed to look when they run it against air in practice or whatever, but just actually running it against another team, it was probably the most clarity I've gotten for all of the different actions that they have within their offense. That's a great observation. And one, even the coach Takir said after the game, he goes, it was just nice to be able to work through everything to completion. Because, right, they go rogue a lot, you know, at certain points in the game, or if a play breaks down, they'll do something different. You can't really get clarity on it. But you could against Yellowstone Christian. And that's another thing, too, Colter, when you're talking about the newcomers and just getting people to gel with Grizzly basketball and the system in general, it's knowing that intense playbook. I mean, the Grizz and Idaho under Don Verlin were the two groups and the two teams that run a ton of set plays. So when you're talking about two freshman guards that are running the mix a little bit in Brandon Whitney and eventually Robbie Beasley, it will take a lot to get on the same page, but uh, I'm sure you saw a couple of different plays in there. How about the the play for Freddie Brown? Freddie Brown, downtown Freddie with yeah. eight points. That was good. New career high for him. Gotta love it. Yellowstone and Christian, this is actually, they are actually fascinating. If they ever play the Montana schools again, I think I'm going to do a little story because they had guys, first of all, it's a, it's a Bible school in Billings, Montana. You said on your broadcast, uh, uh, roughly 40 kids that are enrolled in the school. Enrollment's 40. That's amazing. <laughs> Most of these, they're, I mean, it's a Bible study school. Most of them are going to become either you know preachers, priests, or missionaries, or a combination of both. But not a single guy on the roster from Montana. They had guys from Nebraska, California, um, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, Tennessee, as well as the Ukraine, West Africa, and Cameroon. I mean, what a fascinating team. How do you put that group together? I mean, I it was, to me, maybe the biggest part of the prep was knowing there wasn't one Montana kid. I was expecting, seriously, some yeah, sure. some players, you know, that you maybe saw from Belt High School or, right. or from Scobie, like the one sure. that they couldn't get an NAI crack, but they have a chance to still play basketball and to play at the highest level. Like, I mean, for that they could for their game. So that was surprising to me. And I think it's... It's worth looking into because they're obviously not afraid to play anybody. Well, that was their seventh game of the season, including their fourth game of the week. Three games in three days. Three games in three days because they turned around and played Montana State Sunday afternoon. After playing in Haver on Friday night, and for everyone that's in state, that the weather was not very good on Friday night, and the roads were brutal. They stayed in Haver, got up Saturday morning, bus to Missoula, played the Grizz, bus to Bozeman, play the Cats, bus home. That's that's a weekend. Unbelievable. Two Total Nuanas, 129 ESPN, Missoula, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, in studio. And when when... Montana State lost in overtime to Pacific on December 2nd. Danny Sprinkle then, he had a press conference and he, he talked about how the next two weeks, Montana State then had 16 days between scheduled games, Pacific and then at Washington State, which will be next Friday night. I guess th- that's this upcoming Friday night. But he, Danny Sprinkle knew he had more than two weeks without classes on the docket. And he said, hey, this is going to be our training camp. We didn't necessarily get a preseason deal. We kind of had to roll it all out to get the game with UNLV and Pacific done early. And he said, I'm going to work these guys, work these guys. And then this last week he said, hey, I'm going to run these guys to death for the first four or five days leading up to this first home game. I want everybody to be dog-tired. We need to learn how to play dog-tired. Well, the also Christian uh, Centurions did not look dog-tired in Bozeman for the first half. They went out and hit eight three-pointers in the first 14 minutes of the first half in Bozeman. They scored 40 points in the first half which is just two less than what they scored in Missoula all of Saturday. The frustration for the Bobcats was visible, particularly in the coaching staff. Sprinkle and his head assistant, Dan Russell, were both going absolutely crazy at the inability of the Bobcat players uh, to stay in front. But before we get to the analysis of this, let's hear a little bit from Danny Sprinkle because he talked a little bit about how this is what he wanted. He wanted his guys to be tired, but they still have a lot to work on. Uh, Sloppy. Uh, sloppy, you know, you have to give Yellowstone credit. I mean, they made shots and they made, they made, I mean, 13 threes and most of them were off the dribble and they were kind of just squaring guys up and making shots and, uh, you know, credit to them. And, and they were aggressive. I thought their pace was really good early in the first half. And, uh, you know, we, we weren't ready for that. You know, our guys or what, you know, I know why they were tired, but we still got to be better than that. Uh, but from a discipline standpoint, I didn't think we were very disciplined and, uh, 
we'll we'll rectify that tomorrow morning. On this stretch between December 2nd, when the Bobcats lost 74-70 to in overtime to Pacific, and next Friday's matchup at Washington State, serving as a sort of training camp for MS. Yeah, I mean, we got to continue to, you know, work on our rebounding. We got to work on guarding the drive, you know, really guarding one-on-one, keeping the guy in front of us. Uh, we even had some problems with that again tonight. And, uh, you know, we got to do a better job of that. That way we don't have to help defensively and it doesn't put our defense into a scramble uh, in some rotations. Um, so we have, we have to clean up those two because, you know, we obviously know the competition we have coming up on Friday, a Pac-12 opponent. And, uh, you know, we, we, still have, we still have a lot of work to do. On what the Bobcats got out of playing Yellowstone Christian. I mean, because it was, it was better than practicing against ourselves. And, and I thought Yellowstone kind of exposed us in a couple areas that we can show ourselves on film that we need to improve on. And, uh, and, and kind of like the Pacific game, sometimes you, need to, you have to go through those experiences in order to correct those. And as much as we, we told our guys, like, these are things we need to work on, I'm glad somebody, that it happens to us now. I'm glad it happens in a winning situation. You know, I'd rather teach off a win than a teach off a loss. But I think, I think they got our guys' attention, and, uh, and we'll get better from it. On improving one-on-one defense for the Bobcats. It's challenging because, I mean, it's just you got to be able to stay in front of guys at the Division One level. And we're not doing it at a, at a level to my expectation or the expectation to win, to win big games. And uh, it's something that we need to improve on. Every uh, one through 15 on our roster does. Sprinkle on getting a variety of players' minutes with Xavier Bishop, Ahmed Adamu out for the game, and Borja Fernandez only playing four minutes. You know, I think it was good. I think it's good for some of our guys, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, you know, got Mike Hood, uh, you know, I mean, Finn had six points, you know, Caleb, you know, DK nine, you know, and for those guys, you know, to get some confidence offensively is good because we need them to, you know, continue to be a good offensive team. We need all those guys, you know, for what they do. You know, if they're shooters, we need them to shoot it. If they're slashers getting the ball to the rim, we need that. Uh, you know, post guys scoring down low, we need that. So, and it was a good, you know, I think we had, was six players in double figures and, you know, and DK had nine. So, you know, we kind of spread the wealth. I thought one thing we did was, you know, we challenged them before the game. I said, this is not a, it's not a me game. Like we got to share the ball and, and we got to get a teammate a shot. I thought we did that for the most part. How would you describe what they were doing defensively in the first half? It looked like they were kind of packing it in the key, fronting you and playing behind you. I mean, what were they, how would you describe that? Yeah, they did. And obviously, I mean, it, it's smart on their, their coaching staff to do that. You know, with Jabril, you know, they didn't have anybody with his size or strength. And so, you know, they were doubling him pretty hard and, and, uh, and daring a couple of our guys to shoot it. Um, you know, and luckily, I mean, we made 11 of 25 threes, which was good. And I thought the ones that we missed were actually the open ones. And, uh, you know, those shots will go down. Um, you know, I, I was a little concerned with our three-point shooting today because – I knew I mean, we had some tired legs and, uh, and like I told, you know, you guys the other day, like it was on purpose, you know, and I wanted to grind these guys the past 10 days. And, you know, now we gotta, we gotta, you know, we gotta get fresh. We still gotta get better tomorrow. We're going to start tomorrow morning early, uh, with these guys, but we gotta, you know, we gotta get them some rest on their legs. So we're ready to go on Friday. Similar storylines for both Montana, Montana State, a bunch of new faces, still figuring out the rotation, but I think both teams have a lot of talent. Tutel Nuanas 1029 ESPN Missoula Riley Corkin joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio. Before we get on to the women in the next segment here, Riley, you're a Wazoo grad. You follow Washington State. Washington State's 5 0 right now, but they've been scraping by. They, I think they beat Portland State by what, eight on, on, uh, over the weekend. They also have wins over Idaho, which was not barely as easy. I mean, I, let's be honest, Idaho is the bottom of the big sky this year. And, uh, they had a three point, win over Eastern Washington. I think that everybody who watched it thinks that Wazoo's pretty lucky to escape that and one. And Eastern only had six scholarship players, I right. believe, for that game, too. Where are we at with the Cougs in year one under Kyle oh, Smith? That's his name? Yeah, right? year two. I, you know, year two, excuse me, year two under Kyle Smith. Good momentum, but at the same point, they, they had a lot of talent. C.J. Ellisby from last year, yeah. and for him to be gone, I, I think they're going to struggle, and I'm telling you what, I think the Cats can win that game on Friday, which, by the way, they announced the early tip. So it'll be a five o'clock Mountain Time tip. You and Gregorak will have to talk about on the yeah, back yeah, half yeah. of your show on Friday. But I think Washington State still, at least from Pac-12 
standards, they're going to be a long ways away. I mean, I think that Montana State can come in. I like what Coach Sprinkle's doing. I yeah. really do. Yeah. And when we were just touching on the final comments that um, he had about making his team tired and wanting to play, I don't know why more coaches don't do that. You, ha- If you want your team to be sound and ready to win a Big Sky championship, then they need to win three games in three days right. or at least know what it's like to play even two games in two days. Coaches are so scared to challenge their team in that aspect where I kind of appreciate it. I don't care if it's against Yellowstone Christian and someone else. The way that Coach Sprinkle's working this is great. And I'm telling you what, behind closed doors, there's a lot of momentum behind that Montana State basketball program. It'll be fun, I think, for people in the state to watch the Grizz and the Cats go at it uh, on the hardwood, especially this year. Victories for Montana, Montana State over Yellowstone Christian doesn't mean much in terms of the actual validity of the victory, but good for these teams to work some things out. The women's side of things, though, wow, they were playing some uh, big-time teams over the weekend. Lady Cats playing at Utah, Lady Grizz playing at Gonzaga. More with Riley Corker and Voice of the Grizz next. Golter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Welcome back. Two Sullivan's, one two nine ESPN Missoula, say right SWX Montana Television, and around the planet Earth on both our YouTube channel and the live stream. If you want to find the live stream, go to 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give us a call, you can give us a call at 361-3688. That's 361-3688. You can also send text messages, and those will be forwarded along by our producer, Reese. Thanks for the last one, Reese. We'll get to that one here in just a little bit. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. You want to get us on social media? Find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula. You can also find us on Twitter at 1029 ESPN, as well as at Skyline Sports MT and at Voice of the Grizz. That's like that's like a patent for you, it's, right? It's easy. I went in the, the day before I got hired and was hoping the Twitter handle was there. I Dude. mean, rest in peace, Mick Holeen. I don't think he was uh, searching for that one. Uh, well, Mick wasn't much of a Twitter no, guy. Mick, Mick had, he did have one Twitter out there, and it was funny when we talked after there because, yeah, I got a Twitter out there. Vox. Vox was his thing. Grizz yeah, Vox. So it was yep, at yep. Grizz Vox still out there. Rest in peace, Mick. Of course, not to shamelessly plug, but uh, Scott Guernsey and I did a podcast mm. about Mick Holine, and it was it was therapeutic in a lot of ways. That's and good. It, it was great. Definitely out there, and uh, rest in peace, Mick, for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it, tough t- tough shoes for you to fill. You've done a great job, my friend, but uh, people will never forget Mick Holine, one of a kind. For sure. Let's talk a little bit of women's hoops. First of all, probably the most newsworthy thing from the last week or so, Montana State had an 18-game winning streak that went all the way back to January 9th. 344 full days without a loss for the Bobcat women, but then they lose 72-58 at BYU last Thursday. Uh, Just gave up too many threes. They kind of ran out of gas down the stretch, but then they rebounded Friday, played at the University of Utah. They took a lead into the fourth quarter, but ended up falling 73-63. So the defending Big Sky champs all of a sudden Two losses in a row, but you can't uh, can't hold much against them for 
pushing a Pac-12 team that's picked to finish in the middle of the Pac-12 uh, down the wire. And then the news on the western side of the Great Divide, the Lady Grizz, they push Gonzaga all the way to the brink. They hold GU to 31% shooting, and including less than 25% in the second half, and they fall 58-51. They were right in the mix. It was a one-possession game at the last media timeout, but Lady Grizz end up falling 58-51 to the number 25 team in the country. And uh, Riley, here's what I want to talk to you about. There was no program in the big sky besides the Lady Grizz for pretty much the duration of Women's basketball in the Big Sky Cowards. I think they added the tournament back in the late 80s. I think 1988 was the first Big Sky women's tournament. And I think the Lady Grizz won something like 19 out of the first 30 Big Sky tournaments. Right. Including hosting it almost every single year. And, I mean, that was on on Robin Selvig's side of things. One of the biggest arguments for not moving to a neutral site was galvanizing the home team and giving them the biggest advantage you can to send them to the tournament on the rest of the league's perspective, though, it was how are we ever going to go to Missoula and win a Big Sky tournament? But then here we are now. We've seen since it moved to a neutral site, Montana State has sort of ascended to become one of the programs right there. It's been basically Montana State, Idaho, and Idaho State that have been the programs in the Big Sky Conference, both regular season and in the tournament. And uh, But we've never really had a, a, a situation in the in the much more brief history of women's basketball in the Big Sky Conference where both the Lady Grizz and the Montana State women have been premier programs. Now, I'm not trying to put too much pressure on Mike Petrino as the interim head coach here for the University of Montana, but I will tell you this. I've covered more Lady Grizz basketball than any sport in the Big Sky. That was my first beat when I was in college. I had the good fortune of my first couple years covering that program is when they had Manny Morales and Sonia Rogers and Brittany Lohman, and uh, they were rolling up 28, 29 wins a year. I think I lo- watched them lose one time at home in three seasons covering them, and that was to a Portland State team that was absolutely outstanding. But then Montana got their revenge, knocked Portland State out in the tournament. Um, but my question is, though, I mean, it, it seems like longevity is more prevalent in the coaching ranks on the women's side of things. And here we have Trisha Binford in her 16th year at Montana State. And so, but it seems as if under Mike Petrino, the Lady Grizz have bounced back a little bit. I mean, it seems like the talent that they've had on their roster played with a lot more confidence. But, I mean, how cool would it be if both these programs could reascend and we could have a, a Cat Grizz for all the marbles here on the women's basketball side of things as well? I think it'd be really cool and a great assessment of how the league kind of has transformed a little bit. And I'll even go back. You said the three teams right now that you would probably solidifies the top three women's programs in the big sky would be Montana State, Idaho, and Idaho State. What do they have mm-hmm. in common? All three of their coaches have been there quite for a long for a time. Long time. Yep. I mean, John Newley, Seton Sobolewski, yep. and Trisha Binford. Yep. Absolutely. And then you go back to Robin Self with Lady Grizz. There's no, there's no secret to success when it comes to big sky women's basketball. It would be great if the Lady Grizz could get back to that spot. And the tournament part comes into it too, but I would say these programs are in different spots right now. So when you look at the results from the weekend it's more of okay the fact that we're talking about both of them in the same segment right now Coulter goes to prove to you how cool it would be if they both could rise to the top of the Big Sky Conference they have the biggest crowds they have the biggest fan bases back and forth and I don't think it's too far away, believe it or not. And don't get me wrong, everyone out there. Montana State is up top. Sure. They, they are the, the program that I think everyone's chasing in the big sky right now. But with where Montana's at, I, I think refreshing would be the sure. best way I would describe being around Lady Grizz players, being around practice right now, and really seeing their early season results. And I know it's a small sample size, but you can feel it too. I'm oh yeah. inside oh yeah. the doors. You're, I mean, from the sense, you can tell that this is a squad that that is enjoying playing basketball together. And they know that maybe for the first time, and when was the last time that Montana Lady Grizz basketball didn't have a sky-high expectations? No, no doubt. I exactly. mean, it, it, they've been sky high even over the last four years, which were included three losing seasons under Shan Shui, and they still had absolutely sky high expectations. And for that moment right there, that I think they're kind of embracing that. I think they're saying, "Hey, we have a chance to go prove why we decided to come here." And I, I think the pride of the program, Coulter. It's the strongest it's been in a while, and that's kind of a, a, a wild statement to make, but it is. The, everybody's playing together. You can see it. it. To go on the road and to, to take a Gonzaga team to the brink, you have to be on the same page, and that's exactly what the Lady Grizz are right now. On the flip side, for Montana State, I mean, look at the schedule that Coach Pinford put together. Yeah. I mean, They were supposed to play a third game in the three days against Utah Valley. Mm-hmm. That game got canceled because of COVID, but... Um, 
that 18 game winning streak should not be overlooked. To go almost a full calendar year in a mid to low major college conference and to run rough shot through it, pretty darn impressive. And I think when you have the best player in the league on your team, and she's only a sophomore, that's Darian White, of course. There is going to be a lot of wins uh, for Coach Benford and Darian White. It'll be very fun to watch this thing build, too, because right now these two programs are sort of on parallel tracks, even though Trisha Benford, the second longest tenured coach in the Big Sky Conference behind Wendy Schuler at Eastern Washington and Mike Petrino in his first year as a head coach. But you look at the roster construction, Tori Martell, the only senior for Montana State, and Maddie Schoening, the only senior for the Lady Grizz. So you have a lot of uh, non-senior potentially all-league talents. I think that's the part that uh, is not surprising, but I think that is uh, it's fun to see for the Lady Grizz because recruits that come out of the state of Montana in women's basketball, it's a lot different than the landscape on the men's side. If you are one of the best players in the state in Montana – you're good enough. You're an above Big Sky Conference level talent, probably. I mean, we've seen it with girls like Jocelyn Tinkle going to Stanford and Jill Barta, Ellie Tinkle going to Gonzaga, uh, Kristen Tillman from Bozeman going to Oregon State, uh, even all the way back into the early 90s, you know, Lori Payne going to Washington, Karen Deeden going to Washington. But there's a couple young ladies on the Lady Grizz roster that were that caliber of recruits. I mean, Sophia Styles was the Montana Gatorade Player of the Year twice. And so to see her back fully healthy and playing with confidence and doing what she does best, I mean, she was she was in full control of that game on, on Sunday. I mean, she was, I think she had four steals. She on Her on-ball defense looks back up to an elite level. She's playing with confidence. She's scoring at the rim. I mean, Carmen G. Feller, probably a young lady that probably the Grizz wouldn't have been able to get if it wasn't for her family ties here with her brother Brandon playing for the men's basketball team. So this Montana team, I think that they don't have talent issues. They haven't had talent issues the last several years. They've just been completely disjointed. And I think that, uh, like you said, a refreshing voice, I think, is good for, for Montana. And I thought the Utah commentator made an interesting statement. I hadn't actually considered it because Darian White plays like a senior and she's such a good player. But the commentator in the Utes game said, this statistic, statistically is the youngest roster in the United States of America. There's no one that has all sophomores and freshmen in their rotation. I, I'm, I'm not. I can't even really think if there is a junior in Trisha Benford's rotation. It's almost they're they're playing five of their six freshmen right now, and then three of their main sophomores, Darian White, Madison Jackson, Cole Badbear. Uh, so they are really, really young. And uh, so if they can stem the tide and be competitive in the non-conference and then put something together and, and make a little spurt in the conference tournament, I don't think this is the year where they're going to repeat as Big Sky champs. But you never know. When you have the best player, like the, at least one of the best players like they do in Darian White, you just never know. But uh, I think that both these programs, it's going to be fun because right now, they have a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, but they also, like you said, they don't have these crazy high expectations. So it'll be fun to watch them build on parallel tracks here as they move forward. I think so. And with Montana State, I didn't even realize that with the either. Cats roster being that young and for the expectations to still be as far as, hey, that's a team you don't want to see on your schedule. That just goes to show you how far Trisha Binford has come with the program. And I think that both really with with – I guess just promise on the horizon because I think Darian White and Montana State, neutral floor, and that's the other aspect of this, Coulter. When you put the best player or the best coach on a neutral floor when something matters, you throw the seeds, you throw the records out the window completely, and, and a lot of people overreact, and we're in the business sometimes of overreacting. But everyone out there, non-conference basketball does not matter to, matter. This, to these teams. They, it does not matter. The Especially records, this year. Right. The records is thrown out the window. If they're playing good basketball by February, everybody's fine. And, and we won't even be talking about this stretch right now. So don't look so much into the records. Look into the Velman. Look into the things like, okay, they're all freshmen and sophomores in the Cats rotation right now. Pump the brakes, everybody. Hey, well, and that's the, the the most interesting part about when we get to this neutral site, too, is that uh, John Newley, Seton Sobolewski at uh, both Idaho and Idaho State have proven they can win on the neutral court better than anybody, so sometimes the seeds don't matter. Riley Corcoran joining me, Coulter Nuanas here on Tutel Nuanas. We're talking a little minor league baseball, the paddleheads going independent. What does it mean? Is the quality of baseball, does it stand a chance to actually get better now that they're not affiliated with a major league team? Back after this. Connections are what bring us together, whether halfway around the world or in the office next door. 
Blackfoot Communications is proud to provide next-generation network infrastructure that enables reliable, secure, and always-on connections. From SD-WAN and firewalls to business voice and fiber, our solutions connect you to your community. Visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 406-541-5000 to learn more. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Cell Nuanas. 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide. SWX Montana Television. And worldwide on both the live stream. Live streams presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. Or you can find us on YouTube as well. Do yourself a favor. Go check out our podcast platform. We got Two Tell Nuanas podcasting for you each and every day after the show. We also got the Grizz Greats podcast series going. Had a great one with Brian Toon, defensive tackle from Butte, who had the safety in the, 2000, in the 1995 National Championship game. And don't look now, 2020's flown by, but uh, Thank the, goodness. A, the actual, no doubt, the actual 25th anniversary of Montana's victory over Marshall is Wednesday, December 16th. It'll be 25 years of the day when the University of Montana claimed their very first national championship. We will release a very special edition, Grizz Greats, on Wednesday uh, to commemorate that anniversary. Two-Tone Nuanas podcast presented by Blackfoot as well as the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Blackfoot also a proud presenter of Grizz Greats. Riley Corcoran joining me in studio. Uh... And we're going to break down a little bit of this Missoula Paddleheads situation. As we know, it's been a tenuous last couple of years for minor league baseball. The long story short, they've had this long-standing, uh, what did they call it? It's like the, the the something baseball agreement. It was like a thirty-year contract, and somehow this last year, when all of a sudden no minor league baseball teams are allowed to have any people in the stands this is the year that this thing's up. And so it brought into question the validity and the sustainability of minor league baseball, particularly in small markets like the Pioneer League has existed. You're a Billings guy. You probably grew up going to Mustangs Cop games. Field, Mustang yep. games, that was it. I mean, there's a, a deep sense of appreciation for the Pioneer League. And what's kind of hard to wrap your mind around just everything that's maybe happened with the situation the last year or so is it's come from the top down. I mean, right. the, the people that are making the decisions to cut a league like the Pioneer League are not the ones that are going to games in Missoula and Billings and across the state and across the region. They're the ones at the top that are just looking at maybe the numbers and they don't realize the impact on it, the geographical footprint of especially being here in Montana and the Rocky Mountain region cultures. You know, there's not like a professional baseball team right. that's that close. I mean, yeah, you got Seattle if you're on the west side of the state. You got the Twins and the Rockies if you're on the east side of the state. Everywhere in between. But the impact that it has and fills the void, it makes it important. And for it to kind of be slashed the way it was, I don't know. It's a tough pill to swallow, but as you're going to allude to here, I mean, good news, at least on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, basically, they've decided to let a lot of the former rookie league and high, or I guess low class A league teams operate as independents. And this is actually where I've been at for a long time because from an app, from a pure development standpoint, I can kind of see why Major League Baseball wouldn't want to stash their prospects in the Rocky Mountain West just because if you're playing a short season compared to a long season, it's just less development. When you get games rained out or the weather hits, people say, well, only a couple Osprey or and or Paddlehead games get rained out of summer. Well, that's more than gets rained out in Arizona or Florida or, or the academies down in the Dominican. There's no weather delays. And so I totally get from a pure player development standpoint why Major League Baseball would do this. That said, I think they're robbing themselves of a lot of just general baseball fans by taking minor league baseball out of rural America. But it's here to stay because these Pioneer League teams are going to all be independent league teams. And there's lots of ins and outs, the details. Matt Ellis, Vice President General Manager of the Paddleheads, he came on with us a couple weeks ago. And they're still ironing out the details. But to me, I think that this gives – there's still going to be opportunities for guys to show their stuff, even if they're not within a direct minor league system. And there, I think there will be a smattering of guys that do get called up into minor league levels and maybe eventually make it to the show. But that's here nor there. I think we're going to have – 
an opportunity. One of the most fascinating parts about this team, these teams in Montana have always been just the pure raw talent. You get these 18 to 20 year old guys that, you know, they might be throwing 94 on the gut or they might be lightning fast. They might have one or two elite skills, but they have no idea how to work a count. They got no idea how to be a hitter. They got no idea how to pitch out of a bind. And so the raw talent, I think, will be a little bit lower, but I think we're going to have maybe more polished baseball players here. I think we could have, you know, guys that are in their mid 20s where the actual result on the field, the chasing of wins could actually be a lot more important. And I think that was the question that we were asking ourselves off air too. How much of what the Paddleheads or this league, what's the primary focus? Is it wins? Mm -hmm. Is it development? Is it fan experience? What is it? Because there's a lot of certain things that, I mean, different variables that go into the mix when it comes to it. But I'm with you that you could have guys... You can have more local stories, too. I I think they can control the entire roster. That, to me, was maybe the biggest note of all of it. Yes, they're adding 16 games to the season. Yes, they're going to start now in mid-May. That means also we're talking about 50 home games that are near in Missoula. That's great for the experience side of things. But I I would ask, and I I challenge anyone out there as they're driving home, asking, okay, if you're going to a Missoula Paddleheads game, what are you going for? Right. Are you going to see if they're going to win or lose? Or are you going because it's a great experience and, hey, it's just what you do, right? So I uh, I think there is hope on the horizon. What, what's important about it is the owners, you're only going to have success for how much you put into this. Exactly. Thing. And I think the Missoula ownership right now is great in the sense of they, they are committed to doing everything possible to make this thing work. That's awesome. The rest of the teams around the Pioneer League – I'm not so sure about. I would con- I would think Billings and Missoula are two that would invest a little more because they have the facilities and the support and the interest to do it. As far as maybe other squads, not so sure. But I do think that um, it's optimistic more than anything else. Well, so some of those Utah, I mean, like Ogden, they drew oh. tremendously. They drew exponentially more than even the Osprey did the last, two seasons ago before they became the Paddleheads. So I do agree. It's just going to take a shift in in mentality. It's not necessarily about going and seeing the, the guy who was the third round draft pick anymore. Now it's maybe about going and seeing uh, a team that's a little bit more competitive. How about this? If I told you that you got to go see the, the third round pick by the Diamondbacks and he was going to get two at bats and get pulled out in the fifth inning, or you're going to see the best Missoula Maverick player that's played mm. in the last five years, and he's going to be the everyday starter and bat leadoff. What are you more interested in going to see? Well, see, I'm more interested, I mean, as you know, to, to the best part about following baseball is following it from a daily perspective. I want to see the guy, because you might get the guy, like Sergio Santos for a couple a couple years back, he's the number four pick in the entire draft, and he comes here, and he only had a couple hits, because he only got a couple at-bats, and you never know when guys are going to settle in, but if you can see a guy play every day, then all of a sudden you have a way better challenge, uh, way better uh, opportunity to see his talent. And you're invested in the team more, because you can connect on, on whatever level it is. It doesn't need to be a Missoula Maverick player, but just in general, because of longevity, you can connect more there for more interest. That's at least where I'm going with it, Coulter, and I, I think we're kind of on the same page with it. Riley Corcoran, Coulter Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Hour one in the books, hour number two. The national signing period opens on Wednesday. It's not nearly as crazy as it used to be, but we still have a lot of kids that are expected to sign with both Montana and Montana State. We'll break it all down for you next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 